right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started tonight. Um, I just want to, um, uh, maybe some of you might have seen uh, some of the stuff uh, regarding what happened at uh, the girls' college. Um, they're fine. They're safe. There was no risk in, or anything of that nature. They went through a, a lockdown because somebody decided it was a bright idea to try to elude the cops by going through a Christian college campus that has an on-duty sheriff. <laughs> and it didn't end well for them uh, because uh, PCC has a great relationship with the law enforcement community there. Um, nine patrol cars responded to them, and they just kept pulling up and pulling up and pulling up. And these officers are getting out with their guns drawn on this car. And it happened right out front of the uh, the girls' dorm room. So Emma had some of her friends who were facing it were videotaping it out the window, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to move away from the windows. <laughs> but they were videotaping it uh, through there. And, uh, and uh, some of them were recording it from the other dorm rooms. And, of course, the law enforcement officers were using uh, very specific choice, colorful language to tell them to get down on the ground ground and you know how, how officers can be but uh needless to say they were they were fine they're safe uh, so if, if you see something like that um you know just again just another opportunity to thank god and uh be just really really um uh, uh just thankful for how how god protects us you know every single day and and, and that was just a a blessing to hear. I could tell that Abby was a little shaken up when she called me. Um, and I'm like, well, okay, you're locked down. And if, you know, if it's a you know serious situation, blockade the door, stay away from the window, stay away from outside, you know, walls and everything of that nature. And just kind of walking her through and, and try, you know, me, myself being calm. I'm not going to be freaking out over something like that because there's nothing I can do to freak out. And it was funny because we, I was actually having a conversation with two young men. We were talking about fear right when that phone call came in. So I'm sitting there going, yeah, coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, but tonight uh, we were, uh, I kind of uh, teased it a little bit. I said we were going to talk about relationships. Now, one thing that we know in this life is unless you are agoraphobic and a hardcore introvert uh, and stay inside and have no contact with human beings, at some point in time in this life, you are going to form a relationship with another human. Um, that's, that's inevitable. That's actually the way that God made us. Uh, you find that uh, he, he established that in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, that man and woman would have a relationship together. Uh, we find that he establishes what friendship is, and friendship should always be centered around God, and an example of that being with Abraham. Um, we find that uh, there are, are, are good relationships and there are bad relationships. And the book of Proverbs talks about a few of them. We'll mention a few of them. We'll mention some of those principles. But uh, one of the key things that... that uh, We'll start off with in, in, and get into this in just a moment, but, um, we'll, we'll pray. But, uh, something for us to begin to think about is this. In, in the relationships that we have, um, the, the, the saying can be, can be said of this. Relationship with Christ is from which all relationships should flow. So if your relationship with Christ 
is where it needs to be, then the relationships that you have will be the appropriate ones. If your relationship with Christ is shaky, those are the type of relationships that you will form. If your relationship with Christ is non-existent, those are the relationships you will form. So again, this is why it becomes imperative for everybody to begin to understand that that is the foundational element. The foundational element of what we are talking about when it comes to relationships. And we'll get to this in just a minute. We'll turn to Matthew 7 in just a second. But let's go ahead and pray first and then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again for an opportunity, Lord, to just briefly look at this matter, study it. And and Lord, it's, it's fairly simple when we think about it. But yet at the same time, Lord, it has a lot of parts that we have to think about. And I pray, Lord, that as we endeavor to please you this evening, as we endeavor to seek your word, as we endeavor to receive direction from you, as we endeavor to meditate upon uh, your principles, I pray that we would just have uh, the understanding that the Holy Spirit grants us and, and it teaches us, and that, Lord, it, it would guide us and direct us in every area of our life, and specifically the relationships that we form with others. I thank you again, Lord, for uh, just uh, giving us a great day that we've already had. I thank you again, for Lord, for protecting our daughters and keeping them safe over there and the, the response from law enforcement. Um, and, um, Lord, I pray for the three individuals that were arrested. I pray they trust Christ. Um, obviously, um, it's going to be something that they're going to have to live through and the consequences of their action. But, Lord, I just pray that there's an opportunity that they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you again for all that you've done for us. And this I pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Wouldn't that be ironic? There they are, and one of the the people from the school or from that campus church goes over there and has a ministry. And like, oh, hey, you were the guys that were arrested on our Christian college campus. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing to see um, when, uh, you know, if, if somebody actually goes to jail and they start talking about, oh, well, how, how did you get arrested? Well, we got, we drove on to Pensacola Christian College campus and they're going to sit there and I can see all the criminals in jail just wagging their heads. Wrong place to go, man. <laughs> Wrong place to go. But uh, um, we're talking about relationships and I want us to turn to Matthew chapter seven to start off with. Because I, I, I did make that comment about uh, the foundation. And, and again, here's, here's where I want to emphasize something. With relationships, you're going to have conflict. And that's a given. You're, you're, you're going to have a dispute with a friend. Uh, you're going to disagree with a brother and sister in Christ. And dare I say, unless you have a picture-perfect marriage... Um, at some point in time, one of the two of you are going to have a differences of opinion and there will be contention that's there. So, you know, but, but, but here's the important principle for everyone to understand. If, if every party in the relationship has this as their foundation, then all things can be worked out, Right. When we think about this, here he is in, in chapter seven and he starts talking about, uh, um, in verse 24, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise, unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it, for, and it fell not 
for it was founded upon a rock. Now, again, we see that typology with the rock being Jesus Christ, as he is called multiple times in Scripture. Uh, even Moses, way back then, called him the rock, even though he did not quite understand that concept and that principle at the time. But what we have here is he says, it says, and the rain descended. He doesn't say if it comes. It says, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew. You are going to have situations come up in your life and in those relationships that are going to cause some, some, if you will, possibly frightening moments. You know, when, when, uh, the girl, you know, Abby actually has been through it and Emma hasn't quite been through it yet. But, you know, you go over there and you live in Florida, uh, you're, you're bound to get hit with a hurricane. You live, you live in, uh, uh, Kansas or anywhere of that nature, you're bound to get experience, uh, the tornado sirens. I remember when I lived in Wichita, Kansas, they were constant. Um, you know, during, during that tornado season, they were always going off. And it was tornado, uh, it was tornado, you know, uh, uh, a warning that's out there and, uh, you know, everybody needs to get into their basement. And there was multiple times, me and my brother, we slept at night down in the basement because, you know, the mom and dad wanted to make sure we were safe. So they, they stayed ready. And if there was a problem, then they would have run downstairs and, and been with us. And there was a couple of times that they did come downstairs and, and uh, they sat there and, and waited and uh, because some of the tornadoes were close or there was a possible funnel cloud spotted and things of that nature. Those things are going to happen. You live in those areas, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So we realize that here he is talking about all these things. These storms are going to come up in life. They're going to come. But somebody that has the foundation of Jesus Christ isn't going to fall. Somebody that he, uh, truly, and when I say the foundation of Christ, I'm talking about somebody that is truly 100% committed to building upon that foundation the way that God instructs us to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's what I'm talking about. A real follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ that says, I want to make sure that Jesus Christ is preeminent, as we've been talking about in the book of Colossians, that he is that God is sanctified in his position, as we've talked about recently, that that purpose of the throne in my heart is for him and for him only. That's his place. That's his position. Nothing else is going to occupy it. Because the other nature that exists out there in verse 26, it says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and the great and great was the fall of it. I mean, that that, that happens. That happens. If you've seen some of the, the the way that they build over there on in the, the Gulf Coast area and uh, along that uh, eastern seaboard, man, they build right up to the. I mean, right up to the shoreline. And, and you think about trying to build right up to the shoreline here in the Pacific Northwest. There's a big difference. There's a reason why it's a walk to the beach. <laughs> you don't build it right next to the ocean. Why? Because that's the Pacific Ocean. It is not as tame as the Atlantic Ocean. And the Atlantic Ocean is fierce and, 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 and uh, has got a lot of strength. But the Pacific Ocean is much larger and much more powerful. 
the winds and the waves that come off of it are much more intense than what happens over in the Atlantic. But here we see them do that, and then we'll eventually see when the hurricanes come, somebody will have built their 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 cottage or their, their home right there, and they build it on the sand, and the sand begins to erode, and the house collapses. In California, it happens frequently with erosion. Houses falling because of landslide. It happens in Portland a lot, too. Because people build on foundations that are unsure. They're not solid. So we see here that when we talk about this foundation of Christ, this is the relationship key. It's built on Christ. Any relationship you form should be built on Christ. It should have that as the 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 intent, that as the desire, and and, and that as, if you will, the the um, the way that the relationship is going to be formed. Turn over to a couple of passages over in the book of Proverbs, and we'll start with Proverbs chapter 24. Uh, again, just to show um, a bit of a context here of, of what happens when, when a person gets married and a, a woman is, uh, um, you know, building a house and, and she's, she's working to do that in, in Proverbs chapter 24. And again, I understand the concept of, of who this is talking about as far as wisdom, but there's a great deal of, of understanding and application. In verse 3, it says, Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding is it established. So if you're going to build a household, man, woman, whatever it's going to be, you you got to make sure you're doing it the right way. And it says right here, Through wisdom is a house builded. Now, we know that that wisdom can only come from God. We're talking about godly wisdom. We're not talking about worldly wisdom. And by understanding, it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So here's how these relationships are formed. So as we're building upon that foundation of Jesus Christ, and we want to be able to have that wisdom, that understanding, and that knowledge all of those things bringing about that, as it says there, precious and pleasant riches in the home. Again, this is not prosperity theory. We're not talking about, you know, having the, the, the 15 room mansion with, you know, the pool and the, the 20 car garage and, you know, the helipad out back and things of that nature. That's not what we're talking about. Cause that stuff goes. But the riches of Christ, those are the things that are important. And this is what he's talking about. The pleasant and precious riches are the ones that come from God. The blessings that come from him. And if we want our household to be blessed, our foundation has to be with Jesus Christ. So when we talk about a marriage, that foundation of the marriage has to be Jesus Christ. When we talk about having kids, the parents' relationship with Christ is of the utmost importance. If we want to continue to fill it with these, as he says here, uh, precious and pleasant riches. So we begin to realize that God has a, a plan when it comes to how relationships should be. Now, if you take a look at Proverbs chapter 22, let's just take a look at a couple of passages here. I, I want to point out that there are times that there are not some there there are some not good relationships. There are things that will have a bad effect on you. 
So take a look here at Proverbs chapter 22. Take a look here with verse 24. Make no friendship with an angry man. And a furious man thou shalt not go. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. If you, if you start making friends with a person that is just angry all the time, a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, they're going to pull you into a fight that's not yours, which isn't going to be good. Um, they're going to possibly fight with you, which is not good. Uh, they're going to get you into trouble, um, which you probably don't want to get into. Uh, he says, don't make that type of a friendship. That's a relationship you should not have. Why? Because it will harm you. He says very, right here, very clearly, he says it is a snare to your soul. You know what that is? What's a snare do? A snare is meant to, meant to capture game for the purpose of killing it, trapping it. Whether you skin it and eat it, or whether you just skin it, or whether you're trapping it to kill it because it's a varmint and a rodent and you're trying to get rid of it. We, we, we have, uh, um, rabbits in our neighborhood. And, and they're varmints. They are. Um, they, they come through and, and they're kind of a rodent. Um, they leave, uh, special little droppings all over the place for our dogs who like to try to eat it. Not good that they eat that because it could contain parasites or anything of that nature that could harm the dog. So you're always, we're constantly, you know, having to make sure that they don't do that. We don't want it to, to, to harm them in that way. Because a lot of the rabbits around here have got like fleas and things like that. And, and, and you just want to be careful because you care about the life of your beast. You don't, you don't want to have, have an issue, right? You don't want to have a dog that eats some of that and then all night long is up there yakking and stuff like that. And that's, that's not something you want to deal with. But, but, but I say all of that to say this, how do you take care of those issues? How do you take care of that rabbit? You know, the, the effective way of taking care of the rabbit is to snare it. Whether you capture it and release it out into the wild and, and people are like, Oh, I want to do the humane thing. So they capture it and they release it and they release it into the game refuge. Well, you know what lives on the game refuge and is waiting for you to release it over there? The coyote. And it's like, you release that and it goes, hey, somebody just brought me, you know, a McRabbit meal. <laughs> They're going out after it, you know. They're excited about something like that. And it's like, well, it's a humane thing to do. Yeah, for the coyote. If you want to feed the coyotes, that sounds great. But, you know, it, it, the idea and the concept is, though, that we see that it's a snare to us when we have the wrong kind of a relationship. Take a look at another passage. Let's go over to chapter 27 of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter uh, 27, and uh, let's take a look at verse uh, 17. This is, this is the kind of relationship you want. So we just saw one that you don't want, but here's a relationship that you do want. And it says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You don't want to have a relationship where somebody dulls you. You don't want to have a relationship where you no longer have that desire for, you know, pleasing God, following him. That, that, that will dull you. 
You want to be sharp. You want to be sharp. You ever met somebody that's dull? You're like, yeah. There's a lot of people. Yeah, I've been called dull before. I, I can deal with that. But I'll, I'll tell you this. When it comes to the Word of God, and we're talking about being sharpened, we're talking about being sharpened so that we can effectively use the Word of God in our life. And what we find here is that a friend that's really a friend will do that. If it's a friend that's pulling you away, that's not a friend. That's not a relationship you want. You want a relationship that is going to grow you closer to the Lord. That's the relationship that you want. Take a look at a couple of passages, Proverbs chapter 21. There's there's two passages uh, for the first verse. Uh, The other one happens to appear almost in the exact same uh, manner over in Proverbs 25, 24. But uh, here in uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 21, uh, verse 9, it is better to dwell in the uh, corner of of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Now, the, the, the reason why he's pointing this out, there's, there's a lot of, you know, a doctrinal principle behind it, but I will also say this. You don't want, he's saying you don't want to enter into the wrong relationship. Because at some point in time, you're just going to want to go into the corner of the house and you're going to want to hide. And you're going to, you're going to think that's better. You're going to think that's better. <laughs> take a look take a look here at as what he says in verse 19 in a similar thing it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a with a contentious and an angry woman so over there he's talking about the angry man don't make a friend with him and here he's saying don't get into a household with an angry woman i mean what is the adage that is out there hell hath no fury like a woman scorned right I mean, again, there's, there's, there's a, men and women are created different, okay? For a reason. And I know that in this day and age, that's like something that we really shouldn't say. But I will say it because God says it. He created us different. He gave us each different purposes in our life, but yet the same overall purpose. We're all vessels to pour out the gospel of Jesus Christ into other people. Okay? So we understand that concept. We're all here to please God, but we all do it in different ways, different administrations, different, different methods of how it's done. But we all do the same task, if you will, overall. Each one of the duties might be a bit different, but I'll say this, when it comes to anger and anger being misused, and this is what this is talking about. It's not talking about anger being sin, because we know that's not the case. God gets angry and he doesn't sin. Bible says be angry and sin not, so we know anger isn't sin. It's an emotion that needs to be used for the, the correct purpose of pleasing God. But here, this is a situation where both those men and this, or that man and this woman, they're not. And you know what? It's better. He says it is better to go live out in the wilderness. And he's not talking about glamping it, okay? He's not talking about, oh, you've got this nice cabin and it's, you know, got all of these, these amenities and stuff like that. You even have Wi-Fi. No, he's talking about going out, living in the wilderness, sleeping on the ground, foraging for food, 
you know, not showering for months on end. Stuff like that. He's saying that's a better, that's a better option. So you know what God's warning? God's warning, get in the right relationship. Get in the right relationship. So let's take a look at a couple of things to think about. Let's take a look at a couple of, if you will, principles to, 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 to really ponder in, in, in this. If you will, the points of consideration or questions to ask. So regardless of whether you're entering into a relationship with somebody that you think might become a friend, whether you're entering into possibly a relationship where, where, where somebody, uh, where, where you're looking at and going, Hey, could this person be a spouse? Could this be a boyfriend, girlfriend? Could this, could this be somebody that, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend a lot of time with? Those kind of relationships. Okay. So this is what you begin to do. The very first question you have to ask yourself that is based on that principle of foundation of Christ. Where the principle of relationship with Christ is from which all relationships flow. Let's start there. Let's start with this question first. Is the person a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ? Is the person a disciple of Jesus Christ? And what I mean by that is, again, not somebody that claims, yeah, I I got saved when I was, you know, 10 years old in a junior church class and I trusted Christ as my savior. But ever since then, They've been living like the devil. You're like, well, it's a Christian person. They're a believer. They're a believer. And they might be one of those people that saved yet so as by fire, as he talks about in 1 Corinthians 3. So we have to be careful. Is that person committed to following Christ? Because look, you don't want them following you if you're not following Jesus Christ. Because you know what you'll do? You'll lead them right off into the cliff. You don't want to follow them either. Because they'll lead you right off into the cliff or in the ditch. As as, as Jesus Christ says, that's a blind leading the blind. Both are going to end up in the ditch. And I like to use that as a relationship when God is not the principal uh, uh, component of what holds that relationship together and what that relationship is based on. It is the blind leading the blind. Both are going to be dragged into the ditch. The relationship is going to be a problem. Can you imagine that scene too? And I'm not trying to be ableist here and and, and try to you know demean somebody that has a, a... a, a physical handicap, but can you imagine two blind people trying to lead each other down a road and, and one of them, which is walking in the front stumbles and the other one behind stumbles and tries to correct and steps and realize there's nothing there to step on and falls into the ditch, grabs a hold of the other guy, pulls him down in there. And they begin arguing about which one was the one that actually caused it. Well, the first one stumbled, but the other one stumbled and fell. But if the other one hadn't stumbled, if the other one had been paying attention to where he was going, well, how can you pay attention to where he's going if he's blind? Can you imagine that argument? Hey, how come you let us right into the ditch? I don't know. Why didn't you say something about we were going into the ditch? Well, I can't see. Well, neither can I. You'd be like, that would be, that would be comedic, right? But what we also see is we see how, how, if you will, True it is when the relationship is not centered around Jesus Christ. 
So the very first question we ask, is the person a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ? If the answer is no, you shouldn't have that kind of a relationship. You shouldn't have a relationship, a friendship, a, a, a marriage, or, you know, a possible fiancé type relationship or boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Why? Because they'll lead you astray. They'll influence you. He just said, don't make a friendship with an angry man, and it's better to go dwell in the wilderness than with an angry woman. And a person that has anger management issues is a person that is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, you're like, well, Jesus Christ got angry. Right, I understand what we're talking about there. But that's not what these verses are talking about. We're talking about somebody that cannot control their emotions. The next question to think about is this. What is the person's attitude towards God's word? Well, these are hard-hitting questions, right? But look, if we actually pray and we say to God, search me and try me, and then he gives us these questions to ask ourselves, let's let's not pray, and then when God says, okay, here's what I want you to consider, go, eh, I don't know about that. No, we need to follow what God tells us. So let's ask this question. What is the person's attitude towards God's word? Do they discount it? Do they believe it? What are their actions towards it? Do they read it? Do they memorize it? Do they study it? Do they meditate in it? Do they enjoy hearing it? Every time you bring up the Bible or, or, or you know, they get excited about it? Or is it a situation where every time you bring up the Bible, there's this awkward pause and awkward silence? And they begin to look at you like, why are you even talking to me about this? That should be an indicator. That should be an indicator. Not a relationship you want to engage in. No, it's fine to know the person and who they are. It's fine to continue to witness to that person. Absolutely, you should. If it's a person that is a believer then you need to encourage them and edify them and help them as best as you can. But you got to guard your heart. you got to guard your heart. Because you know what's going to happen? That person will want to take the position of God in your life. Got to be careful. What is the person's attitude towards God's word? Let's ask another one. Um, How about this? Does that person understand their purpose of life? And what I mean by this is, do they understand that life is about the glory of God? Your life, as it has been given to you, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, is it's his to do with what he will. And according to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it is according to his pleasure. Okay? So we realize that if we're created to please him, and we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
to do what he asks us and what he tells us that we need to do. And we're submitted to that righteousness of God and submitted to the word of God. And, and, and he is our foundation. Then, then this shouldn't be an issue. We should understand everything that I should, that everything that I do should glorify God. Can I glorify God as he talks about over in James chapter three, if I have cursings and blessings coming out of my mouth? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Can I glorify God if, if my heart is torn between serving my flesh and serving God? No. The flesh must be mortified, put down, brought into subjection. And it's about searching to please God. So we begin to realize that, that, that God is, is communicating and saying, hey, look, as we look at these things from the word of God, these are, these are important principles, that, questions to ask. These are important things to consider. The person should understand that their life is about glorifying God. You know, the reason we, what's the reason we come to church? So that we all feel better about ourselves? I don't know. After this morning's sermon, a little bit gut-wrenching, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised, you know, Dennis didn't, you know, yell out like he does, meddling. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> things, of the, things of that nature. You know, he, he does that all in good-hearted, you know, I... I it, 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 but but let's think about this. What, why do we come to church? I've known people that come to church for the sole purpose of, I want my face ripped off every Sunday. I, I'm not in the face ripping business. I'm just not. You know what I'm in? I am a preacher of the word of God and I'll preach what God gives me and puts before me, Right? And, and, and if it happens, rip your face off. That's the Holy Spirit that did that. Not me. That, 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 that's all him. You feel any conviction? It's not because Ken Stewart made a convicting message. No, it's because the Holy Spirit took the word of God and thrust you through and goes, how do that feel? <laughs> and you're like, that hurt. And he goes, that's the intent. I want you to see what it hurts when you do these things against me. Do we do everything for God's glory? We come to church for his glory. If you will, the mantra of this, this church is to God be the glory. That's one of my favorite songs in our hymnal, to God be the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. I mean, it, that's to God be the glory. Does the person have that same type of thought process? Now, again, as I go through this, sometimes we actually have to ask ourselves these questions. And this will determine what our relationship with Jesus Christ is. Is he our foundation? If we're starting to have issues with these questions, I will tell you, then we have an issue with the foundation. And we better get it fixed. We better get it secured. Let's take a look at another one. I got a bunch of questions here. I'm, I don't know if I'll get to all of them here. Um, what is the path of the person's life? The Bible talks about the way that we travel, the way that we that we move through this life, right? 
He says that we're supposed to walk circumspectly in Ephesians chapter 5. He says that we're supposed to, uh, you know, Ephesians is talking a lot about the Christian walk. Um, we in this life are, if you will, on that journey. And we are walking through it. You know, even the world understands that. They say life is a journey. I wonder where they got that from. Anyways, um, we, we, we think about that for a moment. What direction are they going? You know, there's some people that you look at and you just, you, you can look at that individual and you can say, uh, you know, kind of to yourself, being careful not to judge, but just clearly seeing the path that they're on going. If they don't make some course corrections pretty quick, they're going to end up dead or in jail. Now, how many of us could testify that if God had not intervened in our life and not had given us salvation or had corrected us from being backslidden, that we probably would be in dead, would be dead or in jail? And sometimes we have the ability to see that. And if we look at a person's life and we look at what they're doing, as an example, let's say a person is more concerned about doing drugs than they are concerned about following Christ, you can tell what path they're on. That's not judging, by the way. That's evidence. We use that in a court of law. (laughs) It's stuff that's provable. If they're more concerned about doing something else when they should be coming together with believers and worshiping, then you know what path they're on. If there is something in their life that you see them so obsessed about that it becomes their God, you know what path they're on. Where are they going? I mean, again, you know, it's a question we have to ask ourselves. Do we know where we're going in this life? Or are we just kind of driving around? Hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll get there some way. No, God's given us a very clear path. You know what that path is? Jesus Christ. Didn't he say, I am the way? I am the way. That means there is no other way that he is it. This life is to be lived according to his ways. Then you know what we wind up following uh, or finding? We find that, that that path that is set before us becomes very clear when Jesus Christ is at the center of it. That direction. And if a person is not following and doing the things that we just talked about, you can pretty, you can be, and again, unless you're deceiving yourself, you can be pretty sure what direction they're going. If you sit back and you look at it and go, oh, if I get involved with this person, where am I going to be in five years? Am I still going to be in church or am I going to be out of church? Am I going to be reading my Bible? Am I going to be serving God or am I going to be doing something that pleases this person? These are serious questions we have to ask ourselves. Why? Because relationships are serious things according to God. 
They're very serious things. Let's think about this one. Um, you know, this this part primarily is is dealing with the, the issue of uh, of you know uh, a marriage possibly. You know, uh, it, it, that happens from time to time. You 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 you've got the 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 boy that that sees the girl and goes, hey, and the girl goes, oh, you know, flits the hair, oh, and you're just like, and everybody that's around just goes, (laughs) you know, that kind of mentality, right? The flirtatious behavior, all of that stuff. But, you know, sometimes it can also be appropriate with friends. Why do you want to have that, you know, friendship with that person? So let's ask this question. Uh, why are you attracted to that person? The Bible says over in Proverbs chapter 31 that beauty is vain. Turn there, just real quick. We're, you're probably still in Proverbs. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. Um, and uh, he, he says, uh, says there in verse 30, favor is deceitful. Favor is deceitful. If you're entering into a relationship because of favor and they happen to like you, or maybe they like like you, or maybe they kind of like, 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 really like, like you, whatever it may be, favor is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Guys, young men, you're sitting back over there. I'll just say this real quick. Find a woman that fears God. If she doesn't fear God, she's not for you. She's not for you. And make sure, and let's just be real honest. Don't lie to yourself. Oh, she fears God. She fears God. And you're looking at it and there's like red flag warnings flipping up all over the place. You know, there's alarm buzzers going, meh, 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 meh. And there's like one glimmer of hope and I'm like, well, she said something about Jesus not cursing the other day. No, that's not fear in God. Okay. You want a woman that that is more devoted to Christ than to you. Because she won't know how to love you unless she loves God more. It's just the way it works. Same for any, any lady that's listening to this message. The same thing is true here. He says, but beauty is vain. People fall in love for the oddest reasons. People fall in love for the oddest reasons. There's been situations where uh, I've seen some things that I just like, what? It just makes me go, huh? I've seen some people, I've seen people get together and you're just looking at it and like, how in the world did the two of you you try to be respectful, okay? But you're just like, wow. I knew this couple one time, a long time ago. And I thought it was odd because I was a young man. And I'm just like, really? And you know what he did? This is what he did. He was like, he, w- he wanted to get married. But he didn't want to do the dating thing. I can attest to that. I, 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 I told God, I said, this is, dating is dumb. I just don't want to do it. I'm like, Lord, if you want to, if you want to give me a wife, fine. You're going to have to pick her for me. Cause this is, this is just insane. 
I, I mean, really, honestly, I, I would have rather gone into a firefight. But the Lord did that. The Lord provided me a wife. And praise the Lord for it. But this guy, he said, I, I don't want to do the dating thing. So you know what he found? He found this uh, this website uh, that essentially was Christian-based. And I, I, again, I'm real skeptical about it, but I'll just, I'll mention this. It's Christian-based, and it was Christian-based mail-order brides. <laughs> Easy there, Mark. <laughs> I know. I'm just sitting there going, mmm, mmm, mmm. Mm. You know, I'm sitting there as a young man biting my tongue. So he, he did this. But I'll tell you this. You would not find a woman that was more devoted to Jesus Christ than the one that he got in the mail. <laughs> that sounds really bad, but I will tell you this. She loved the Lord so much. And I'm talking about with all her heart. It came out of every pore of her body. Every time you talk to her, it was like, oh, yeah, isn't God great? Oh, yes. Oh, just praise the Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. I mean, she just was like one of those people. And you're just sitting there going, whoa. And he's just over there and he's just like. (laughs) Why? Because he did the right thing. And the two of those, you just look at them and you go, how? And it was the Lord. It was only God. Now, I'm not suggesting you go that direction. Okay? But I will say this. If desperate measures, <laughs> desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> but I will say this. You know what? He saw a woman that was going to fear God. That was the criteria he had. And, and for all I know is they're still married to get, today, still serving God. That is such a blessing. But you know what he wasn't going after? He wasn't looking at the beauty part. Because you know what can happen? Beauty can fade real fast. The other day I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh, hey, I've got more lines. Hey, that looks like Portland. Roadmap, you know? I just, you know, I'm like, oh, hey, look, I got more gray hairs. Oh, gosh, they're not gray. They're just pure white now. Like, you know, I, 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 you know, if I put product in my hair, it gets darker, but if I don't have any product in my hair, my hair is like white, like, like pages of the Bible white, you know? (laughs) And I'm just like, wow, what happened? You start developing folds where you had no folds before. (laughs) That six-pack then becomes essentially looking like you're trying to smuggle a bag of flour out of Walmart. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, beauty fades, right? Guys, look, you can sit there and think, oh, I'm going to be buff my whole life. and I'm going to Look, the minute you stop working out, you know what happens to all that muscle? Oh, it just goes, it just instantly turns into goo. And you look at yourself in the mirror and go, ew. Because you know what? It's, it fades. It's vain. Oh, it's good to keep your health up. It's good to stay fit. Absolutely. Shouldn't, you know, gorge yourself and, and, you know, you know, cause, cause health issues and problems like that. 
But but what I'm talking about here is is if what attracted you was that, what happens when that attraction is no longer there? What happens when when uh, uh, God forbid something happens? Just the other day, uh, Clark County Sheriff uh, was driving down the road over in the Washougal area, and a large branch from a tree uh, fell, and it hit his uh, police cruiser. And they drive the big Tahoes, right? It fell in the right position where it actually broke the A-frame of the, the vehicle itself. A-frame is one of the one of the hardest to break on a vehicle. It hit that uh, right where the windshield and everything comes together with the hood right there and just kind of snapped that whole thing in half and pushed all of that, including the steering wheel and everything, right into his legs. They It took a while for them to get, because uh, it was icy conditions, it took a while for them to get uh, paramedics there and get the heavy rescue, and they extricated him. They took him to Peace Health, and they tried the best they could with his leg, and they said, we got to send you to Emanuel Hospital because they have better trauma units. They sent him over to Emanuel Hospital as quickly as they could, got him over there, and, and they, they did their best to try to save his leg, and they couldn't. The career that he had, gone in an instant. His wife, and she's got a one-legged husband. I don't know anything about their marriage. I hope that she's a loving wife, and I hope that doesn't affect the marriage. Because I hope that she loved him more than his legs. And I'll tell you this, the only way that you're going to love somebody more than their physical appearance is if you love how much they love God. What attracted you in the first place? Let's ask this next question. Do these, does, does this person understand the purpose of the relationship? The Bible talks about a friend being friendly. And the verse I read over there in Proverbs says that you're supposed to sharpen each other. That's the purpose of friendship. And if necessary, according to what Jesus Christ said, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Sacrificial. Friendships are sacrificial. So we begin to think about that. That's what that, that, that that's God's standard, by the way, of a friendship. God's standard. Does a person understand the purpose of the friendship, or are they in it just to get something? Right. You know, sometimes you get friends, and and you and you begin to look at that friend, and you go, "Why are you hanging around me?" And you find out they're in it for a reason, to get something out of you. Same thing with a marriage. Do they understand the purpose of God's, God's purpose with marriage? That it's supposed to demonstrate a relationship. That it's supposed to demonstrate the love of God. That it's supposed to demonstrate the glory 
of God. You know, there's a lot of marriages today that do not demonstrate the glory of God. And I dare say that that's one of the biggest problems in the Western world. So we look at that and we ask that question, do they understand the purpose of it? Do they understand the commitment? Do they understand the commitment? If you're going to be somebody's friend, there's commitment. Take a look at David and Jonathan. Take a look at the commitment of of, of Jesus Christ and the disciples. How he laid down his life for his friends. Take a look at that commitment. Take a look at the commitment that Abraham had with the friendship with God. I want you to go take your son Isaac and offer him up on a mountain. You know what that means? That means understanding the purpose and understanding the commitment takes maturity. Christian maturity. Just because somebody grows up doesn't mean that they grow up spiritually. You have to kind of take a look at them and go, what's the spiritual barometer? Where are they at? Are they rising or are they falling? And you have to ask that question. Are they mature enough to even understand why they're entering into this relationship or is it just, I'm in love? Or it's, hey, we have the same likes. Let's be friends. Likes change. Anything that you used to like that you don't like anymore or something that you used to hate that you like now? That happens. I will never like green beans, though. But just saying, those things change. And I've had it happen where friends have been so, you know, we, we come together for something that you think is going to be enduring and lasting, and then that friendship begins to fade because you no longer have the same desires and no longer have the same affections of the heart. And by the way, the only thing that should really be affecting your heart should be the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God. That's what should be affecting your heart. And then He will lead you in that right path that right way, that right direction to the person that you need in your life. Because he knows what you need more than what you know what you need. You know? Here's a big one. And I'll, I'll end with these last two. Here's a big one. Do they or have they attempted you to get something, get you to do something that is perverse? And what I mean by that is, are they trying to get you to do something against the Word of God? It's a big red flag. Big, 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 big red flag. Something to think about.
if they do, I've had people that called themselves my friend, and they 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 tried to get me to do several things. Number one, they tried to get me to consume alcohol. They wanted to see what I looked like drunk. By the way, I was 17 at the time. But they didn't care. And they also wanted to take me to, um, and I'll use the term, and I think that we probably all understand it, uh, they wanted to take me to a gentleman's club. You all understand what I'm talking about with that? If you don't, ask your parents. <laughs> but there's nothing gentlemanly about it because that's not the way you treat a woman, okay? And if, and if that's if that's the way you think that a woman needs to be treated, then you've got some serious problems with God, first and foremost. Before we even address women, you've got problems with God. But I'll say that's what they wanted to do. But they're like, hey, we're friends, right, Ken? Don't you want to hang out with your friends? Don't you want to do these things? And as soon as I started saying no, they began to hate me. And to be honest with you, I would rather have them hate me because I chose to stand up for what was right than to like me and I fell for something that was sinful. I would rather stand for that. Because I'd rather please my Savior than have a moment of what they were telling me was pleasurable. Now, it would have messed me up. would have messed me up. Let's ask this last one. And here's an important one. Do they draw you nearer to Christ? Every single day of your life, you should be drawing nearer and nearer and nearer and nearer to the Savior. Growing in the knowledge of Him growing in the knowledge of his word, growing in the knowledge of what he wants for your life, growing in the knowledge of his will. He talked, we talked about that over in Colossians chapter one. That's his desire. That was Paul's desire for the church at Colossae. That is God's desire for every believer. And if somebody is drawing you away from God, away from Christ, away from what is good according to God's standards, away from the word of God, away from church, away from parents that are trying to teach you what's doing right, you need to drop the relationship like a hot rock. You need to walk away. You need to run away like it is an IED about ready to go off. You need to get so far away from it. You need to treat it like it's radioactive. Well, they're going to get upset with me. Then let them get upset. Would you rather have the, the, the approval of man or would you have God be approving of your actions? Those are questions we have to ask ourselves. 
And again, you can see how this works in any relationship. But also at the same time, I will tell you this. It's a good litmus test for where we are at. I can go through these questions. I can ask them myself of me. And I should. This is, this is part of that meditation. This is part of thinking about what God is teaching us. And this is just simple relationship. This is just simply, hey, you, you, you want to have a friendship. Hey, that girl, that guy, I don't know. Start, start going through figuring out ways to ask them these questions. You're like, well, should I have a full-on interview? I don't know. It may not be a bad thing. It's either that or you kind of order it on the mail order bride thing. I can try to find that guy and get that website if anybody's interested. So, <laughs> Or you know what? You can just wait on the Lord. You're like, well, I might be single. Not a bad thing. Not everybody's got to get married. So we got to think about this. These are serious questions that we have to ask when we enter into relationships. But again, it comes down to this. The relationship with Christ is from which all relationships flow. And you can see that evidenced by these, these passages that we read and these questions that we ask. I don't know if you're looking at relationships right now. Something to think about, though. Something to really, truly consider. Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. I thank you again, Lord, just for what you give us, and uh, Lord, some of this wisdom that we see from your word. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through this, and uh, as we, we think about it, and as we contemplate, and as we engage with others that are around us, whether they're believers or unbelievers, that, Lord, we'd seriously, seriously start asking these questions. And, Lord, that we would want and desire to have friendships to do this. Lord, if we're in a relationship or a friendship or something, or maybe some of these are big red flags that have shown up, Lord, give us the courage to stand for you, to stand for your word, and to help, to edify, and encourage the other person to follow after Christ to have that foundation and relationship with him. Or maybe we be used to grow. Maybe we be used to, to water. Maybe we be used, Lord, for your purpose and your goodwill in every area of our life, including those relationships. I thank you again, Lord, for what you give to us from your word. And again, I pray you take us home safely tonight. And Lord, as we go out and about this week, that Lord, you give us opportunities to be a witness, to tell others about Jesus Christ. I thank you again for all that you've done for us. And this I ask and pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.